Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Boston Proper is for women who love distinctive style in styles that don't define them. Boston Proper designs are unique and made to fit flawlessly. Confident women wear Boston Proper as an expression of who they are, with chic, polished styling and unforgettable looks that get noticed anytime, every day, and on any occasion. When you want that certain something in everything you wear, Wear Boston Proper. Shop at bostonproper.com and wear it like no one else. Positively Gam is sponsored by Vaseline. See how they are working towards equitable skincare for all at Vaseline.com. I don't think they understand. You're not just talking about my hair at a certain point. You're talking about like me as a person. I feel like for you, Willow, I feel like some of this started with you really young. Willow has the prettiest hair and she just didn't believe it. I didn't. And I'm still trying to believe it. What's up, everybody? I'm Gammy and this is Positively Gam. Every week I have raw, in-depth conversations with inspirational people pushing for change on everything from aging, relationships, politics, wellness to the current issues facing the Black community. Okay, joining me is a lovely panel of strong Black women, starting with one of my heartbeats, my lovely granddaughter, Willow. And we have celebrity hairstylist Stacey Ciceron and hair historian Jay Lachey. I really wanted to have this conversation. I've wanted to have it for a really long time. I know hair is supposed to be a woman's glory. But I don't know any Black woman who hasn't had a vacillating relationship with their hair. I know I have over the years, and I really think a lot of the struggle has to do with how we've been brainwashed for centuries. I think that's that awakening and that understanding is something that has been suppressed for so long that I feel like just now, even myself, like with me shaving my head and with me like trying to regrow that, regrow physically and spiritually that relationship with my hair, I feel is so important because as a young girl, it was rough with my hair. Like it was... Yeah, it, it, it was. And that goes I hated back my to, hair. <laughs> it like goes I, back to all the brainwashing. Yeah. 
that we went through making us feel like we had we had to in order for us to have any kind of self-esteem about ourselves over the years it was about assimilating into the culture of the colonizers and the way we looked and the way we dressed and I remember th- you got mad one time because I but- wanted to get <laughs> extensions oh yeah we're gonna talk about that we're gonna, we gonna talk about that but I, I just want to get to this point and I want you to get us up to the point where we start mixing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you so know great yeah um Rapes happening on plantations. And when you start this process, a couple of things happen. Number one, you have people who are now biracial and their hair texture is softer, curls are looser, they're considered prettier. Mm -hmm. And so this is where you start the term good hair, Mm -hmm. pretty skin. Like, Mm -hmm. look at how pretty she is. And there is a hierarchy created with white folks Mm -hmm. that we then internalize amongst mm-hmm. ourselves. And so there are documented cases of light-skinned Black folk having separate church ceremonies for themselves mm-hmm. from the dark-skinned Black folk. And this is during, right? So this is when we start that process. We internalize that inferiority and start to believe it. And um, it's been going on for generations and generations. So you can see how we start separating from one another based on the brainwashing that we've had to endure black women with other black women because like when I was younger there would be like even family members that were my peers like my cousins or whatever it was because I had one cousin that had really beautiful flowing hair and every time I would just look at her and I would just be you're so beautiful like I want that and every time I would bring it up she would always just be like not everyone can. And it was, and it would be, it was like a real hurt for me. Like, I was like, wow. And then she'd be like trying to be like, oh, maybe you should get a weave. Maybe you should get a perm. Maybe you should, you know, and like all of these things and like other black women not even trying to be like, no, like you're beautiful. Like we're different, but we're beautiful together. Okay, so I, I want to take us back to the good hair, bad hair, because now we, we understand where it all came from. But the, and the, actually, that was a real stickler for me when I was growing up. I hated that because I had long braids and all of that. But the good hair, bad hair. Just, I'm guilty of saying that. What are the proper terms that we should use when we're trying to describe our hair and not the good hair, bad hair? Stacy. Let me tell you, while you're talking, my, my brain, my emotions, it's, it's such a trigger for us that I have about 50 million thoughts that just came to me. But the first thing that came to me is the reward and the punishment, first of all, that comes with good hair, bad hair. Yeah. So even if you don't want to believe it, like, oh, I have beautiful hair. I have this. I have that. We go back to the punishment versus the reward. OK, so what happens with the person with the good hair? Are they getting different opportunities? Are they getting different chances? Are they being more visible? Are they being taken seriously? Because there's a lot of things that come in with the hair, with the complexion and different things like that. So when I think about good hair, bad hair, as a professional, I could not 
refer to it that way, especially with teaching consumers and teaching hairstylists. We refer to it more by its characteristics. What does it look like? Is it straight? Is it wavy? Is it coily? Is it curly? That's more like how we refer to hair texture, hair type, density, porosity, and things like that. But even within our, excuse me? I was just saying because those words don't like throw shade on the person you're talking like No, because they're, they're facts. They're facts, right. you know? But I'm not going to say that I did not hear it growing up. And yeah. even within having a Caribbean background and, and, and all of that comes with, but the good hair, bad hair to me, comes with the punishment versus reward. Yeah. So even though we switch it in our, uh, in our vocabulary, in our conversations, we're still going to be punished somehow. We're still maybe not going to get the job opportunities or get noticed by somebody that we like. Somebody that we are attracted to may yeah. want good hair versus bad hair. So this is what I'm saying. So that, that's my take on the good hair, bad hair. We would have to dig a little deeper to correct the punishment versus the rewards. Because that's the exact replica of that culture that we came from. Yeah. It was the exact same thing. You got different treatment, better jobs right. on the plantation for lighter skin, longer hair. Even with amongst ourselves, we did that. So yeah, we're doing the exact same thing and we haven't unlearned that behavior. It's hard for us to uproot it. Yeah, good is desirable. Desirable. Bad is not desirable. And I don't know how true this is. We These things pop up on the internet saying that Black women are the least desirable women of, of all. Yes. So Which, that comes with its thing too. I feel like that... I can't tell you how much that narrative... I've How much I've seen that narrative and how much I've just been around it. Even... Even people would be like, oh, it's so interesting that you're light-skinned, but your hair is not how I would expect. It's like always that. It's always something like that. Or it's, we wanted to do this hairstyle. Like if I'm going to a photo shoot or something, it's, we wanted to do this hairstyle, but your hair is just a little difficult today or something or whatever it is. But they think that it's like totally okay to say. They think it's just, oh, it's just a fact. It's just your hair is difficult right now. It's, I don't think they understand that you're not, re- you're not just talking about my hair at a certain point. You're talking about like me as a person. And I think that's where a lot of Black women just start to feel that worth just starts to just slip away from them. Their feeling of their self-worth, that feeling of value because things like that are being said. They're going to work. People are saying, oh, can't you? It's standing up. So It's so hot. How do you get your hair that high? <laughs> Which is crazy. I feel like for you, Willa, I feel like some of this started with you really young. And I I remember just really, listen, Willow had the prettiest hair. She had the prettiest hair and she just didn't believe it. I didn't. And I'm still trying to believe it. I'm still in the process of like my little fro. I'm like, I need to nurture you. I'm trying to like, I say mantras in the morning. I like put the oil in my hair. I'm like really trying to like, it's a self love, like regaining that like self love and that because I never had that. Yeah, and I just I never I understood it. I just Jada and I just tried so hard to fight that and give her confidence and just tell her how beautiful she had the the prettiest head of hair. What I will say and, is that when mommy showed me the rough and stuff yeah, music video, that changed, that changed a lot. That changed because I was like, oh. I'm rough and stuff with my Afro puffs. Okay. 
I was like, this is my whole life. I wish the audience could actually see us because you guys with your hair right now is absolutely beautiful. And I had pictures of Willow with her hair when she was little. And I just couldn't understand why she didn't see what I saw. And then we're going to go back to, you know, your statement that I was really upset when Willow was young and she wanted extensions. And I felt like if we allowed her to get extensions that young, that we were just, it was just going to be downhill after that. Because to me, it was an admission that what was on her head was not good enough. And it was you and Kennedy. It was you and Kennedy. And I just... there were a lot of, basically all of my Black girlfriends at the time, we were all just, we hate this. Like, we were all just, we don't like the way we look. Like, I would wake up in the morning and my hair, because <laughs> my hair is super coarse. So it would be like to the side in like a, in like, you know, those uh, yeah. troll dolls. <laughs> it would look like to the side like that. And I would look at myself and just feel so ugly. And I would cry almost every morning. And I guess I need to say, too, that it was really just an interesting journey because Jada and I don't have hair yeah. like Willow's. Our hair, our texture is different. And I different. would look at my mom's hair and I'd be like, why don't you yeah. talk? Yeah. <laughs> but in our family, there are so many different textures of yes. hair. Like my mother's hair was straight and silky. So my mother and sister, Karen, mm-hmm. Karen's hair was so straight that you couldn't braid it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't stay. Mm-hmm. It would just... It would just come out. (laughs) And my mother wasn't good with caring for her hair. We didn't really know how to care for our hair. And like even on my head, there's different textures in my head. Yeah. The nape of my (laughs) neck for Jada and I, the nape of our necks is the straightest part of our hair. The crown is curlier and the sides is just frizz. But it's even like learning to like, there's so many different parts of yourself. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different facets of gammy that it's like learning to accept. It's like a microcosm of yourself. Yeah. So you got to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> you got to figure it out. What, you got to love yourself, what love works. your hair. And that's that's a life journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also feel, again, going back to the connection, especially with young girls. I have teenagers and no matter how much I try to instill in them, it goes back to we want to fit in, we want to feel connected, yeah. and we want to feel loved. So we can be saying one thing, but it's still going to be based on the reactions of the friends, yes. people you mm. like, and people who you want to fit in with. So you can be saying, you're so beautiful, your hair is so beautiful, but if somebody that she likes, you cannot control the sparkle in somebody's eye. So yeah. maybe you just want to get a sparkle in somebody's eye, and you don't get it. And, and so no matter how much you try to tell your children, love yourself, love yourself. There's this factor of wanting to belong, feel connected, feel loved and get that sparkle that they don't get. So the idea, even as an adult, is to find the sparkle in your own eye and not get it from somebody else. But it's the comparison and we just can't help it. Yeah. I'm telling you, it was painful. No, I would always hear. It was painful. It was painful. Specifically from the cousin who had the really curt, Loose curly hair. I just, yeah. I, I she would always that. go. Boys don't like girls with afros. You see what I'm I never saying? knew you that. See what I'm saying? Yeah. This, this is my point. Yeah. This is exactly my point. So we just have to find a way to, and it maybe it's just a process. That contrast to see that 
I don't know good until I see bad. I don't know love until I see hate. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's just a, a part of that process to gain that that self-love and connection. Well, I will say you were just talking about Willow, about this self-study piece. I think it's really critical because I had a very similar experience. My mother was a hairstylist, is a hairstylist. And so she would quarrel with my hair. And as a little girl, I love it. I'm like taking my little beads. Yeah. You know, um, but then when I got older, I started to want something different. I wanted my hair to be longer. I wanted it to be like the other people. I wanted the boys to like me, yeah. all of that. Exactly. Stuff. But what changed, I cut my hair off when I was 17. Just cut it all off. Yes. And at that moment, I started asking myself a lot of questions just about who I was. Fast forward, I'm 35, and I've been an educator since I was 22. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in that process, two things. Number one, as a high school history teacher, I noticed that we spend 13 years minimum, if you go all the way through, um, or if you go on to college, it's more, Mm -hmm. in school, and not any part of that is self-study, none Mm -hmm. of it. And so we spend all of this time being indoctrinated yeah. in all of this material, whether it's about government or health or science or philosophies from all of these other people. Mm-hmm. And those become our truths. Exactly. Those become perfection. And so that's what we think about the world. Opinions of other people start to matter more because we're taught it's so that true. opinions of other people mm-hmm. hold truth. Not our mm-hmm. own experience. We mm-hmm. can't be an expert of anything. That's so we have true. to get expertise from everywhere else. And so... This self-study piece is really big. Mm-hmm. I think that's critical. And I think there's a song that you have. What is it? Organization and Classification. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> is real. That is so real. That when we do that, yeah. it creates a hierarchy mm-hmm. in our minds yep. about ourselves and others. Yes. And that's how we operate. Mm-hmm. And so I think the self-study I'm piece, so glad you got that from that song. because <laughs> no, So many people were looking at me songs. like, Girl. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we need to favorite. organize things. It's, it's what we need to. I, I think if we can get out of these boxes, yes, it'll help us to break down the hierarchy. Um, I agree. Freedom is one of those things where you can't get free if you don't really know your truth. Mm-hmm. You are your own perfection. There is no such thing as perfect. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as absolute. Yes, you know, like. We're just all on our own particular journeys, but we're in a world that wants to categorize us so much. Exactly. wants to create a superiority and a supremacy mm-hmm. that we are indoctrinated with it. And so then it becomes hard to battle ourselves out, even yeah. with the love of a, like a good mother, a good grandmother, like telling us all these wonderful things. We can't get it because everything in the world is telling us, nope, the opposite. Yeah. they can't be expert. They're not the expert. They are. Yep. Yeah, that's really sad. It's true. But it's really sad to think about it now. Wow. And when you talk, so, when you put that on top of the generational trauma right. of being a Black person, on top of that being a Black woman, mm-hmm. and then you're put into this system. Yeah. It's just a recipe for disaster. It is. <laughs> well, then it boils down to survival. Yeah. We just do what we have to do to, just to survive. So I want to talk a little bit. Let's go back to your journey with your hair and back in what was it like 2010 when you cut your hair? For the first time. 
it wasn't the first time we cut your hair. But it was, but the, was first the first time that you cut it all off. off. Yeah. And I have to admit that we, you know, we did a lot of experimentation with your hair. Because my mom was like, <laughs> we don't want to shave it all off at once. Right. She was like, let's maybe the side. Right. <laughs> maybe half of the side. Exactly. But we also put heat to our hair. We wouldn't perm it, but we put heat to it, which again, I did not want to do because I knew it was going to change the texture of her hair. And, and it, I knew lo that from and behold, my own it definitely it, it did. changed the texture of your hair. But I'm getting this virgin fro. Yes. I digress. I digress. So you decided that you wanted to shave your hair. What would tell us what that was about? I feel like all of the pressure that I felt from like even my own peers, even my own black female peers from society, from myself, looking at the media, looking at women who were deemed attractive or desirable, all of that pressure, I feel like I just wanted to just throw it in the trash. Like, I just wanted to be like, I don't want to hold this anymore. I can't hold this anymore. This is becoming too heavy. And I just want it gone. I just want it gone. I don't want to think about it. And you were so young when you made that decision. I did because it hurt very badly <laughs> at a very young age to the enough, hurt enough to the point where I was like, this isn't worth it at a certain point to feel this pain. Like, I'd rather just not have it and not even be able to identify with anything that has to do with having hair at all. And I feel like it was more, this second time that I cut my hair was more from a place of power and from a place of love and compassion. But back in the day, it was more from a place of, I can't handle this anymore. It was more from a place of anxiety. So is your music guiding that or is how you're feeling is how you're feeling is guiding your music. Oh, how I'm feeling is guiding, guiding your music. Yeah, 100, yeah, 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 every, yeah. Definitely. That's why there's yeah. two years in between each of my albums. Because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> not feeling it. Not this year. Not this year. Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm feeling it this year. So this last time with the last album that you put out and you had Tyler just completely shave your head bald. What was that? What was the the process of coming to that? How did you come to that decision that you were going to, number one, that you were going to shave your head and then you were going to shave it in that venue? Yeah. It took a re, it took a lot of preparation, obviously, because it was. And I guess we should talk a little 24 bit 24 hours that. in a box. Yeah, because <laughs> people don't really know that story. Yeah. Me, me and Tyler had been working on this album in New York at Electric Lady for about, I want to say, two, three months. And then one day he was like, wouldn't it be so crazy if we just did an anxiety attack just like in the place, like people could come watch it. And I was like, oh my God, that could be super dope. And, but at first I was like, oh, I don't know. That's a little risky. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? But then the idea started forming and I was like, oh my goodness, like this could actually be really amazing. And so we split up we split up an anxiety attack into eight different emotions. And the last emotions was like surrender and acceptance. And after going through all of those anger for three hours, sadness for three hours, numbness for three hours, like getting into these like insane emotions, I really felt like this, it was almost like I had generated it within myself and I didn't expect it to be this powerful. Like I, but I felt that, that deep acceptance 
of the good, the bad, the light, the dark. Like I'm here for it. And I'm going to break, I'm going to love it with a smile. I'm going to, everything, everything is here. And I felt like that moment was so important for me to shave my head because it was almost like, I'm letting go of my who I was. You know what I mean? Like I'm letting go of the things that I beat myself up about. I'm letting go of my anxieties. I'm letting go of my fears. And when that when those locks hit the floor, it was like, oh, honey, (laughs) I'm a different person today. So in that regard, I feel like my intentions were way purer this time. And I can really feel that now. And even with the regrowth of it coming back, just like you were saying, there's a memory that comes along with tapping into it. And I feel every day, and you have to pay attention. You can't just be like, oh, <laughs> the memory's coming. No, you have to pay attention. You know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's an internal look and every day checking in. And that picture is just getting painted. And I'm so excited to, to bring it into like, myself and into action. Yeah. I just remember the the feeling that I had when you started growing your dreads. It was just a a feeling of acceptance of yourself. And I was just so, I was like, she finally gets it. She finally is loving herself fully and understanding and believing that she's beautiful as she is. But this is even another step of that because, because when I had, when I started growing my dreads, it actually happened by accident. And I was afraid because I was like, oh my God. Like what I went to my mom. It was accident. It was an accident. Okay. I, I start, dread started happening. And I was On like. On their own. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh like I, I was panicking. And, my, and I went to my mom and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And she was like, let it be, honey. She was like, grow the locks. Make, why not? And so I grew the locks and through that, I started having a different kind of acceptance. But now I feel like this is even deeper because I want to learn how to actually take care of my hair. I want to learn what it needs. I want to learn how to, I just want to learn it. I want to learn it as a being in its own. And I feel like with the locks, I was just like, do whatever, like whatever. I didn't really try to take care of it. Like I didn't really try to. You know what I mean? I do. I, I have to tell you, Stacy. you might be able to speak on this. I, as I was doing some of my research for this, I came across a video on YouTube, and I think it took place in Canada, the French side of Canada. And there was a woman who was teaching young girls, in a, young Black girls in a salon how to take care of their hair. And I'm telling you, it was such a beautiful thing to watch these girls, because if you don't know how to love and take care of your hair, it's hair is just so important. Especially to to black women. Yeah. And how we feel about ourselves. Can you guys speak on that? I actually think I saw that video because I think it was like in French and they translated it. It hits a little different because I have young daughters and I'm always trying to, I know no matter what I say or instill in them, they still have to feel it. They still have to, they still have to feel it on their own. But equally, I do think that I don't stop saying it because they have to feel it. They just have to get, they have to see more images of themselves as beautiful. They have to learn how to manage and take care of their hair. And that was another reason. I have several reasons why I went natural. Even that word, Jay and I were talking about going natural and Mm -hmm. the, the hair that's growing out of your head. But just even them seeing me like this and 
constantly saying, this is beautiful, this is beautiful. And learning how to manage it is another thing because one of the girls in the salon that she was teaching got very emotional because she didn't know. She didn't know how to comb it. She didn't know how to style it. It was just a little twist, something that she could do to manage her hair or hearing somebody say that she was beautiful because of, of her hair. So I do think that there's so many layers to help to reinforce it. And if we can do it from a young age coming up, it makes it a little easy. It's not going to be easy because it's coming from so many different directions, but we just need that representation. We need those voices to nurture and to let them know it's okay to just be, you don't have to be a cookie cutter. You don't have to be exactly like the, the person next to you. And that's like on repeat for me. You don't have to. As a matter of fact, we were having a conversation in the house. My daughter, one of them started to develop a little bit earlier. So she would start to wear baggy clothes. She just did not want the attention. And I said, it's funny because depending on where you grow up, that's what you're going to want to look like. She's in school with more Blacks and Latinas. So of course, they want their hair to be looser curls. They want to be a little bit more curvy. They don't want to be as tall. Isn't it crazy how... You just want to be who you're accepted by who you're around. So if you're in a school with mostly Caucasian or Indians, you want the characteristics they have. It's literally a process of this self-discovery and knowing that you're beautiful in any environment. That is the, like the one repeat in the house. No matter what environment you're in, what are you going to do? Change every single time you get into a different environment or just be yourself? Yeah. You know? I want to ask you, ladies, how long have each of you been wearing your hair natural like this? Because I feel like we've gone in cycles. I feel like we went through a period in the 60s and 70s because I even went through it because I had long hair. So my, my journey was getting my hair relaxed as I got older. But I went through the stage of wearing it like my Angela Davis afro. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, but it was a process for me to get that. Like I had to wash my hair and and roll it, section it off and put it in all these little tiny rollers all over my head to get my hair tight enough to form the afro. So even that was a process. But I just kind of feel like like one minute is acceptable. Now we've gone to this weave and... The whole weave thing, I am struggling. I am struggling with it terribly. I know it's my own issue because I think that I put more on it than people actually But in do. reality, Gam, I actually do think that all that you're putting on it is valid because the foundation of this issue is racism. Just point blank. White supremacy, capitalism, racism. So these things, it's hard to clean up the one little mess in yeah. one little section of the factory that capitalism is creating than to go to the head of it and turn off the machine, if that makes any sense. Because I feel like this, these insecurities and these cultural hurts and traumas are so deep, but they're also just branches of bigger issues that need to be addressed. So if every Black woman goes, we're not going to buy your products. We're not going to wear your weaves. We're not going to... Now there's so much money that these companies are losing <laughs> because most of the people that are coming to buy this hair, that are coming to buy these products, that are coming to get the perms and the weaves are women of color. 96%. 
So it's a bigger, it, I do think what you're putting on it is valid because it is, that's the foundation of, it is on it already. But, <laughs> but is it that or is it simply to a lot of women that aren't thinking about it that deep, deeply? Is it just a hairstyle? I've been in both seats. Me too. I've been in both seats. <laughs> so Stacey, both of, we're both hairstylists. I, I'm an educator primarily now, but like as far as like the natural hair journey, I think it weaves right into what you're talking about, Willow. My natural hair journey, as I mentioned before, my mother was a hairstylist. I was natural all the way up to 10. And then put a relaxer on my hair because I wanted to be more manageable. I wanted to fit in. And then at 17, I had this epiphany, like I want my hair back because it was natural and long. And so <laughs> then I cut it off. And so then there's this whole self journey. I've been on both ends of that though, where I wanted to wear weaves and long hair for the reasons of I'm more desirable by society. Mm-hmm. And so I was guilty of buying the the Malaysian hair. That oh, made, it's killing you know, me. All, it's I, killing me that. dead. It's killing me dead. Uh, I, I just, <laughs> the idea, it is understandable, but the idea of buying someone else's hair to put on my head is just absurd to me. And I, I, I really, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to talk about this without judgment. And I don't want to offend anybody because at the end of the day, you need to do what makes you feel good good at the end of the day. It's, but just for me, for me, it was, and even like I grew my hair out so that I could get braids at 66. That's the first time in my life that I had ever had braids because it was going to require that I'm buying hair to braid into my head. But I felt like it was okay because at least I was going to have an Afrocentric style. I wasn't buying hair to have it flowing down my back. (laughs) That's the thing. I think it's the psychology that we have to ask questions about, right? What is the person's intention for doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, Because like weaves and wigs and all of that, even straight hair, all of that existed. So there were the Nubian wigs that were more Afro-styled in Egypt. And you had straight hair wigs too, and you had braided hair wigs. Because when you look at the hieroglyphs, there's a lot of bangs. Yes. There's a lot of straight hair. <laughs> There's a lot of straight hair. Definitely. So the question becomes like, why are we doing Is this because this is just me? This is an accessory. I just like doing this. This is protective or whatever. Or is it because like deeply, I do not feel good about myself unless mm-hmm. I have this. And I think that's where it's valid. Because if we have people doing this because I can't, my hair, the way that I feel about me, Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And so I must do this. Then we're right. doing something that we need to express. But if it's, I'm just doing this Because it's a style. Then it's yeah. cool. That's yeah, because I've been on both sides of that as That's well. That's a good point, Jay. What I'm hearing too is a level of resistance. It's, this is my stance. If you're making a bold statement too, when you say, I'm not going to put this in my hair. I'm not going to add this. I'm, this is not going to make me pretty. This is not me. I'm, you're taking a stand. So even in your way, Gam, I feel like that is your statement of resistance. This is everything you stand for to show your natural beauty, to accept your natural beauty. <laughs> we all don't know, Gam. That's it's so stressful. Here. It's so stressful trying to be, trying to figure your own shit out. It's, oh my God. You just have to know why you're doing what you're doing. Going back to the intention behind everything. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for fun, for fashion, for style? Or am I truly 
unhappy deeply with what I look like. I'll tell you what I'm unhappy with. Unhappy with the gray. That I'm not going to do. So Gam going to keep dyeing her hair. Okay. Now, now that's that. Because what I'm not going to be is walking around here gray. I'm not going to do that. I'm not ready. The grays can be a little disrespectful. Mine started coming and I have this one that decided by Mm -hmm. herself. Mm-hmm. Just by herself, she could have brought some friends at least and made it a patch. Yeah, they, they can be a little. I think one day, Gam. I think one day you're gonna you're gonna have the the all gray mane, and you're just gonna be you're just gonna be so. a shaman. You you're just gonna be. I definitely could see that because that's another level of taking a bold stance as well. You know what? I wake up one day and I just don't need this anymore. What am I doing? This is too much work. This is too much. But just it, I just think it, it's a part of the, that self-discovery process as well. And that's a whole different conversation, too, about what it means to stay beautiful, how is age perceived in, in, in media and society. I have this conversation with my mom all the time. It literally turns into a great debate every single time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think bottom line that as more and more Black women choose to look at their hair differently and choose to consciously have that relationship with their hair, it's chipping away at a system that doesn't want that. That's Mm. trying to keep us suppressed. The more that we see more people like us on magazines, on TV, whatever it is, it chips away at the very fabric of the racism. And obviously it's a huge iceberg. I'm not saying yeah. that it's just, okay, we're just gonna, you know what right. I mean? It's gonna yeah, be a very arduous and yeah. long process. But the act of an individual b- woman of color saying, I love my hair and I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself and my hair like it's sacred. That is... And that's heat for the iceberg right of racism. That is like, oh, we're just going to keep blowing heat at this iceberg. Yeah. Yes, it's like the whole, the premise of supremacy. So I, I wrote this piece called White Supremacy is a Fallacy. And I'm not saying that it's fake in the sense that people don't actually have dominance. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it requires a psychological agreement. And so as long as we are people who believe and the idea of white power, white dominance, mm-hmm. it exists. So what you're talking about, this idea that we decide, no, actually, you're wrong. I'm beautiful the way that I am. It does this energetic shift and it challenges this system. Mm-hmm. So this whole system is reliant on our belief. Mm-hmm. It is reliant on us agreeing to suppression. We have to agree to it. And that's a part of the conversation that we don't talk about as much. We do talk a lot about white dominance. It's real. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying there's another part of the conversation that we need to have. But I think what you just brought up, Willow, is really critical. We do have to start attacking like this piece of self-love and self. Yeah, it's like the psychological, spiritual piece that says, wait a minute, the whole world wants to look like me. Why don't I want to look like me? Hello. And what happens when I do? Mm-hmm. Stacey, you and I were talking just a second ago yeah, yeah. about the fact that as this natural hair movement started to boom again, mm-hmm. right? Like we're seeing another boom. Another and, wave, yeah. Right? Those are hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. The more that we love ourselves and accept ourselves, the more that we recognize our value, the more that we see that we are born free, not becoming free. Mm. 
So when you realize that you were born free, you are already free, you mm -hmm. become indignant, you become yeah. audacious, and that shifts the game. And that mm -hmm. is what people are afraid of. This is the reason why cutting hair off and telling people that they're ugly and saying that they're undesirable matters so much. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that, you act differently. It's mm -hmm. the behavior that this suppression has created. And so long as we keep evolving in this way and loving ourselves in this way, this whole system falls down. While we're talking, that was, that was really important, Jay. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that. The thing is, as we're talking, like my spirit is bubbling up a little bit because we accept it and then we believe a new truth about ourselves. But then there's the wall that we often hit when there's the rejection and when there's the trauma and when there's the punishment that I keep saying, the punishment versus the reward. So what is it or is, is another level of education that, okay, so someone told me that I'm not beautiful, but I believe I am. Someone told me that I'm not smart, but I believe I am. Someone told me that I would never make it, but I know I can. And then you get the rejection from, let's just say those three areas. What is that next step? Because most people will say, oh, didn't like it. It's not true. So-and-so didn't accept me, so it must be wrong. Thinks I'm ugly, so it must be that. So what is that next step? You believe it, right? Because we're, we're trying to dismantle this whole I system. feel like it's community. community. Yes, I was about to say that. Go because ahead, you need to hook up with the other girl who said, girl, this and this, and I know this, but we need to link up. And you both are like, okay, so... Yeah, and so it's developing your support system, your own village, and of like-minded people and women who have the same struggles that you have and who are trying to overcome, who are trying to overcome them through compassion and through self-acceptance. And that community, when you can step together, I feel like that's very important. That's powerful. So that's really where I wanted to go with it. Like, all right, we believe it, we're dismantling it, but how can we keep it strong and keep the momentum going? And it boils down to that support and that community. Because yeah. that trauma is real yeah. and we know it. Yes, it doesn't go away so easily. Stacey, you have talked about it before too, and as far as representation, representation in comp companies, yes. represent representation in corporate worlds, representation on magazine covers, all of that. We need to see ourselves as well. Arm and arm and arm. Somebody in every single lane. Exactly. So we can boom. And even what we're doing right now with all of us is a way go of us going, oh, we are arm in this concept and, and we're going to tell the world what we think about this. Yeah, we're going to give them a little piece of our minds. And we're not backing down. Exactly. We're not backing down. The story share is critical because I think the other thing is like so many of our stories get lost mm -hmm. that sometimes we believe we're the only one. So not just in the moment, but this care movement has gone on for a long time. And when you go back to people who were running away from slavery, the, the posters would often note that these people have gone wayward with their hair. Mm. And so people were making statements, even in then, mm -hmm. about how they wanted to be seen and what freedom meant. So mm. this is a long movement. There, there are booms, of course. Wait, booms. I'm sorry. I just, I want to make sure that I heard you correctly. Because that blew my mind. <laughs> so runaway slaves would be put on posters and they'd be like, if you see this black person with crazy hair, 
you need to bring them back to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's evidence of people who were running away, making the choice. And as a matter of fact, there is a name I wanted to share. Hopefully I can find it in time. Um, of this woman, Frances Harper. Frances Harper. She was an author who wore cornrows. This is 1867. Mm-hmm. So like this movement, and this Lee Tyson being one of the first to wear cornrows on TV. So like mm-hmm. there's the icons, the pop culture has a big part of this movement too. And I think it's important that we name those folks and share those stories. So, cause that's a part of the community too, right? Like mm-hmm. we have to be able to see ourselves, of course, and also share those stories over and over. Like you're not the only one, you're not the first. This is a long movement. And so when we say like, it takes a long time, I, I started pushing back on that. I was like, nope, we're here. We're here. Yeah. We're free. We're ready. It's time. We've been doing this. It's overdue. We are ready now. But naming that and naming those names and calling them forward and celebrating them. Um, Brandy, I need to call her out. <laughs> because like, because when she was wearing braids, remember, I don't know if y'all remember when she did Cinderella and that was a big deal because she was the first black Cinderella on TV and she wore braids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those things matter and we need to remember them and name them and call them out. When you wore locks to the, was it Grammys? Mm-hmm. Wait, no. Was it the Grammys? No, I don't know. It was, was a big award show. Yeah. I remember that. And it was like 2013-ish or something like that. It was a big award show, but it was huge. And so like those moments, we have to remember them and name them because that is a part of building this community and remembering the fact that we have been doing this. We are here. Mm-hmm. We're here. Y'all just got to accept it. Hello. Hello. That mm-hmm. part. All right, so I want to talk um, briefly about the Crown Act. And this is a law that prohibits the discrimination against someone for wearing their hair natural or in protective styles like locks, knots, twists, and braids. Listen, the fact that there... Is this still in effect? No, it just became law. It, this is recent. It just became law. It was first introduced in California in January of 2019 and signed into law on July 3rd in 2019. And so it's currently only illegal to discriminate against Black people and, or people of color in their hair in seven states. And those states being California, Washington, Colorado, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, and Maryland. So you can fire someone for yes. wearing braids to work? Yes. How am I supposed to wear my hair? How am I? If I can't wear it in the knots, if I can't wear it in braids, if I can't wear it in locks, then I should. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane that we have to get permission. Handle that because I'm speechless. This goes back to punishment and, and rewards. You know what I mean? So no matter how much you try to go around it, you're going to still be faced with it. It's not just in the workplace. It's in schools, too. As far as their uniform, as far as looking professional, as far as looking clean or kept, why is this an issue that I cannot be myself? So it further feeds into that narrative of not being your authentic self or just having to do what you have to do to survive, to fit in. I was telling, I don't know if it was uh, who I was, was Fallon or Jay. I was basically telling them about an experience that I had as an up-and-coming stylist. I wanted to be a celebrity stylist, honey, because my parents did not want me to do hair. So I'm just like, if I'm going to do it, I need to do whatever the highest thing is. 
Anyway, so I end up in this salon, this big New York City salon, which I'm, I will not name, and I got hired. It was a big deal. It was predominantly Caucasian salon. When I got hired, I was one of two or three, or maybe two, and I got hired. I wasn't even thinking about my skin color at that time. I just wanted to get this job. I wanted to get to Fashion Week so bad. I just wanted, to get, I just wanted it so bad. So anyway, I got the interview. I got hired. And they, I went to the interview with straight hair, a straight pixie cut. They loved it. They loved me. And on Monday, when I showed up for training, I had braids. Let me give you the story behind that quickly. I got the braids because I didn't want to mess up. Braids for us is low maintenance. We can go to the gym, we can go to vacation, we can whatever. So I got the braids as something to help me so I wouldn't be late and I didn't have to fuss about my hair. Child, I got to work on Monday. You would have thought they saw a Casper the goat. They told me I had to take it out if I wanted to work there because that was not a part of their dress code. Back then, I didn't know any better. Again, survival. My, I want to get to fashion week. I want to get backstage. I want to do these things. So it took me 12 more or more hours to get the braids in. And it took me six hours to take them out. But the point is, I took them out. I didn't have anybody or any reason in my mind to think it was wrong. It was just like, this is what you have to do. Fast forward to 2020, with all of this media coverage, we know that this is absurd. This is a violation. This is a violation of your rights. I was violated. And when I heard that story, so many people had similar situations where they had to change their hair for to get a job, okay, to get a job interview. They would wear it like this, but to, they had to wear, you know, something that was more acceptable. I absolutely stand for the Crown Act. I've signed a petition. I'm Yes, to- I signed the petition as well. The fact that it's happening with kids, you remember the case of the wrestler. I can't remember what state it was, but the wrestler and the coach cut off his dreads during the match. I was like, what? Dress code. Yeah. So they had a uniform. For the sport, they had to either have their hair pulled back or something like that in order to be a part of dress code and in uniform. And he was about to be disqualified. And they worked so hard as athletes to get to that point. Get it? It's just sad. It's ridiculous. This forcing us to once again assimilate into their standards of beauty. But the idea in 2020 that there has to be a law to to prevent us from being fired Everybody. for wearing our hair in its natural state. Everyone is should absurd. sign the crown Everybody. act. And I think we'll try to post something like a link where you can go and sign the petition for supporting the the crown act. That is That's extremely so important. important. Honestly, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that black people haven't just been like, you know what? <laughs> We're gonna we're just gonna go somewhere else. We're all of us, we're gonna, we're all gonna, we're all gonna come together and we're just gonna go somewhere else because this no. Okay. We I hate to interrupt the conversation. Ladies, I want you to stay right there, but unfortunately Willow has to leave us. So I just wanna ask you, Willow, do you have any last words on this topic that you wanna share before you make your exit? Yes. I just wanna say not just for Black people and not just for Black women, but when a human individual decides to 
accept themselves with no boundaries and no limits, that challenges every system. Every system and probably many people around them. Yeah. It challenges everything that the modern way of looking at human life has created. And I'm ready for for the challenge. And I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenge to just keep growing and to keep going and for us to create something better and something different. That's amazing. I love you so much. I love you. Okay, so I I want to do our rapid fire questions with you. Okay. Okay. So the first one is really simple. What books are you currently reading? So I just finished the last book of the Clan of the Cave Bear series. There's six books. Okay. You've been telling me about that series for years. Okay. I I have such a love and such a fascination about prehistorical human dynamics. I don't know why. I think it's I think it's very interesting and amazing and and these six books changed my life forever. Jean M Owl, you'll always be in my heart. You're an amazing author. You're probably not listening to this right now, but I love you so much. <laughs> okay, and what's one thing that you want to get off your chest about any topic? One wow. thing you want to get off your chest. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> One thing I want to get off my chest. I have been feeling recently, specifically my generation, we spend so much time looking at what's happening externally in the world and the problems that are happening externally in the world that I feel like slowly but surely we're losing. Remember when we were talking about that self-study? I feel like we're losing the ability, but also the… Uh, the focus The focus, on exactly. Mm-hmm. The focus to observe our inner world in such a way that confusion that we're always feeling about, this uncertainty that we're getting from social media or we're getting from whatever it is, that inner foundation of self-love and self-knowledge, that those emotions can sit on top of that and not weigh us down into this dark place that we feel like we can't get out of, that I see a lot of my peers getting into, especially during quarantine. And yeah, that so, was long, but... Yeah, so maybe it's more about put down the phone <laughs> and start doing some inter- internal work. Yeah. Okay, and the last thing, what's a motto that you live by? Ooh, motto that I live by. Wow. The darkness and the light are equally beautiful. And accept them both with compassion. That's how I want to live my life. And there you have it. Words of wisdom from my baby girl. <laughs> the whole life being. I'm thank so you. glad you made it to the earth. Oh, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me. This was an excellent conversation. Thank you, Jay Lachey. Thank you, Stacy Ciceron. Thank you, Willow, for joining us on this conversation. Tell us where people can find you on social media. I'll start off by saying thank you for having me. This has been an honor and a lot of fun. If anyone wants to continue um, talking with me at any point, you can find me on my website, jlachey.com, where I continue with freedom activism of all sorts. Perfect. And Stacy. 
I would concur. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to use my voice. And if you want to continue the conversation with me, I'm offering education to hairstylists and everyday women about how to manage and maintain highly textured hair. You can find me at StacyCiceron.com. Thank you so much, ladies. Like Willow, we all have our own hair story. It's our role to teach our children the history they won't learn in school so they develop a sense of pride about themselves and their culture. We are there to support, guide, and give them a safe place to land because the world is a harsh critic. Prayerfully, however they choose to rock it, our children will love themselves fully and unapologetically, including their hair. Tomorrow, I'll continue my discussion on hair, so check back for part two. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review. Follow me on my Instagram at Gammy Norris to share with me your thoughts on the episode. I'm here, I'm talking, and I'm listening. As always, stay grateful, y'all. Positively Gam is produced by Westbrook Audio. Executive producers, Adrian Banfield-Norris, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Amanda Brown, and Fallon Jethro. Co-executive producer, Sim Hoti. Editor and mixer, Calvin Bailiff. Positively Gam is in partnership with Art19.